Hi guys, welcome back to, what is this, part four, I think, of a series all about play. Um, today on the podcast, we are going to be talking about loose parts play, which is a type of play that I learned about a couple of years ago um, and thought it would be, would be really fun to share what it is and ways to facilitate this type of play here on the podcast, you may have heard of it, you may have never heard of it, because up until only maybe a year and a half, maybe two and two and a half years ago, I had no idea what this was. Obviously, we learn about play and play theory, and like I've said in every other episode about play, there's so many different types of play, different theories of play that develop different skills. We're still learning ways to help facilitate play, but this is just one of those types of play that I thought was really fun, really inclusive, really easy to pull off as a clinician if you're trying to incorporate more play in your therapy sessions, and overall just a fun type of play, and I have a little backstory on how I learned about loose parts play, so Today on the podcast, we are holding space for Loose Parts Play. Hello, I'm Marissa, a certified, licensed, and practicing pediatric occupational therapist. And this is OT with Marissa. Here, we will review common terminology and topics, chat about daily OT practices, and provide simple but effective tools and strategies you can implement with the child or children in your life. Whether you're thinking about a career in occupational therapy, are a current student, new grad, or seasoned therapist, my hope is this podcast has something to offer you to learn, grow, and be the best therapist you can. I'm so happy you're here. So a few years ago, um, I was working as a contracted therapist in Uh, a few schools within the Ithaca City School District as well as some schools just on the outskirts of Ithaca. And, you know, this could be a whole separate um, conversation regarding being a school-based therapist, a contracted therapist, etc. But I will say that one of the really great opportunities that I had as a contracted therapist was getting the opportunity to meet a lot of the school based therapist because I was kind of going from building to building being that extra that was needed to fulfill caseloads at the time and within that experience I got to meet in a remarkable occupational therapist Jill shout out to Jill um, she was actually one of the ones that encouraged me to start this podcast and actually less left me my very first Apple Podcast review, so I love you, Jill. Um, But she is the person who introduced me to Loose Parts Play. So uh, Jill and I worked for, um, in one of the same elementary schools, and we became friends. She was like a mentor to me, still is, and it was actually the summer after that school year Um, that she invited me to go to the Ithaca Children's Garden with her and her five kids. And so here's me, you know, Marissa, 
in her 20s, <laughs> no significant other, no children, showing up with Jill and her five kids, and <laughs> they are playing in the mud. They have sticks. They have like some shovels, there's a tree, there's a tire, there's some rope, there's like these plastic farm equipment things, like the little like pipes that are cut. Anyways, and the kids are all playing and she starts just going on and on about this type of play that's really creating um, and facilitating like creativity, imagination, problem solving, and I'm like, what is she talking about? This just looks like they're playing with a bunch of, like, honestly, like, garbage. <laughs> and she said, oh, it's loose parts play. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And Jill is so read up upon so many different theories, new research, very holistic uh, styles of therapeutic intervention, and so I was just kind of like nodding my head, hmm, yep, never heard of loose parts play. So of course I go home and I'm like looking up loose parts play, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is incredible, and so inclusive, and so easy, and so diverse in the ways that you can facilitate loose parts play, and so because I had never heard of it, um, I think it'd be really fun to educate you on loose parts play just in case you have never heard of it. So loose parts play um, or the loose parts in the play was coined by an architect whose name is Simon Nicholson uh, and basically he expressed that the loose parts within an environment, so this could be an outdoor environment, an inside environment, a small sandbox, right? An environment can be all sorts of different places. Um, well, empower creativity. Sounds very vague. <laughs> it kind of is. But this loose parts idea that you kind of have these random floating parts has been adapted into a type of play, which is loose parts play, which is basically open-ended materials that encourage creativity and exploration. And this can refer to natural materials in the environment, so some leaves or a tree stump, maybe some rocks, that sort of thing, as well as man-made materials, so like a shovel, a tire, a rope, that sort of thing that maybe it's a combination of both of those things, that can be used to expand children's play and can really start to build a lot of cognitive skills, motor-based skills, problem-solving skills in a very open-ended way, uh, which really isn't something that I think we see a lot today. Um, you know, kind of like I mentioned in some of my previous podcasts, you see a lot of a doll house and you play dolls with it. A toy kitchen and you play kitchen or chef or restaurant with that equipment. Or you have Legos and they're meant for building. Or you have, you know, craft materials and you're doing a craft-based task. And within play, we kind of start to have these little houses or we compartmentalize or categorize play within a boundary. 
And loose parts play is more of your out-of-the-box thinking sort of play because there's really no right or wrong way to engage in this kind of play. And it really takes a lot of imagination. And I'll be honest, as an adult, it's actually kind of hard. And so I also think it's a really great way to facilitate child-led play because children tend to have a greater imagination than we do as adults, which is maybe for a reason because as we go on in our adult life, things tend to become a little bit more structured and we lose some of that imagination. Um, But that's pretty much what loose parts play is and kind of how I learned about loose parts play. And so for the rest of the podcast, I want to give some examples of how to incorporate loose parts play. Because it's so open-ended, it can kind of be hard to get a concrete grasp on what it is. And so I created some categorized lists because I'm a Virgo and my brain tends to be disorganized, but in a very organized way. If you know, you know. Um... I think I have undiagnosed ADHD, but that's besides the point. And so I've categorized ways to create the very open loose parts play that we are discussing here. So like I said before, loose parts play can can occur in any environment. So an environment might be your child's bedroom. It could be your whole backyard. It could be a community setting, like a community garden space, or a playground, or a park. It could even be within, you know, a sandbox. Or another way to create this loose parts play is even like a shoebox. And just having a shoebox or a plastic bin filled with some of the items we're going to talk about here to facilitate loose parts play. So it can occur anywhere. You can bring your box in the car. You can bring it to a restaurant for your child to play with at the table. You can um, take your child out into, you know, the wilderness and create an opportunity for loose parts play. So I love that it's so inclusive that there's no limitation on really where you can do it. And as you're going to find as I go through this list of items that can be included in loose parts play, you're going to learn that there's no financial barriers to loose parts play. A lot of the items um, listed cost no money. They could be floating around the house. You can pick them up at, you know, a thrift shop or create them or find them yourself. Um, So yeah, that's really, that's one of the the reasons why I really like this, this type of play. So, Like I said before, nature. Nature is a great resource for so many play skills, so many motor skills, and that's why it's at the top of my list with ways you can incorporate nature into loose parts play. So some very specific items that you can include that are nature-based might be rocks, leaves, sticks, flowers, could be a whole flower, flower petals, the stem of a flower, um, sand, shells, feather, pieces of bark off a tree, snips of grass. What you can do is you can take all of these items, put them in a sandbox, put them in a, um, a shoe box, and just start to explore. Maybe you bring in some fantasy play and 
and you're making out a little scene. And so you're taking the rocks and you're building a fort with them. And, you know, maybe you're taking some sticks and those are going to represent, so you're bringing in some symbolic play. Those are going to represent some people hiding behind the fort. Maybe you want to build a tower using some of these things. Um, you know, there's, there's really no limit in terms of what you can do. But the idea is that you have to create something using these items because it's not really concrete or innately there how to use them. That's where you have to use your skills or your child has to use the skills that they have to facilitate that sort of play. So there's a lot of thinking involved and a lot of problem solving and a lot of imagination. So those are some ways that you can use nature. Um... Some other things that you can use are recycled items. So bottle caps, straws, uh, cardboard tubes, so like toilet paper or paper towel tubes, plastic bottles, jars, packaging peanuts, corks, egg cartons, rubber bands. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> there is no limit here. One of my favorite toys that I have that I use with my kids um, is an old coffee container. So it's like um, like an aluminum cardboard sort of cylinder um, container and it has like your plastic little, little top. And what I did was I cut a slit at the top there and I've collected a bunch of different bottle caps of different sizes. So maybe things that came off of water bottle tops or, um, you know, bigger jugs, so like they're bigger caps, and I create so many motor play-based activities using an old, um, an old coffee can and old recycled bottle, bottle tops, and it's my favorite therapeutic and, uh, like toy. The kids love it. Parents are always really inspired because they can create something similar without having to spend money. And there's so many different ways that I play with this. You know, you can hide the bottle caps inside the kids' clothing. You can work on stacking the bottle caps. You can, I can use the bottle caps to do pre-writing strokes or form letters or numbers and then have the kids copy those. Obviously, you can put them inside the little slot that I created at the top of the coffee can to work on some fine motor skills. I can shake it. We can work on sound localization and having the kid turn their head towards hearing the sound. It's very sensory engaging, um, very minimalistic. So that's just one thing that I used uh, using two recycled materials and as kind of a form of loose parts play. Some other ideas might be using different types of fabric. So ribbon, scarves, yarn, different fabric strips. I once created a sensory bin using a bunch of different fabrics. So I had some old clothes that I was just like going to donate, but quite honestly, <laughs> they were a little worse for wear and, and I wasn't really sure anybody would benefit from picking them up at the Goodwill. So I cut them into strips and I had some old jeans. I had some old like stretch athletic pants. I tied some in knots. I cut some in circles. I cut some in long strands. And I created a sensory bin for a little kiddo at school, and so he could take out all these different fabric materials. He could put them on his body. We put some essential oils on some, so then you were kind of stimulating that old factory system. And he, we could cut them, we could pull them, you could tie them in knots. And so it was using old recycled fabric and kind of 
in a way that was sensory engaging, cost me no money as a therapist. I'm always looking for ideas that don't cost me money. Um, and that could be ways to facilitate sensory-based play using these loose parts items. Uh, some kitchen materials. So in my previous podcast, I talked a lot about, um, you know, restaurant, fantasy play, dramatic play, as well as some symbolic play. So things like bowls, spoons, funnels, spatulas, and maybe you bring these in the sandbox and you create like a construction zone and you're using the sand to go through the funnel and you're pretending to like pour concrete or you've got your bowls and your spoons and you're mixing something up and you're playing pretend kitchen. Maybe you're just building them. Maybe you turn them into musical instruments. But again, that idea is you're losing random loose parts to create play um, and any type of play that we've talked about in some of these previous podcast episodes. To go along with the kitchen theme, what about food? So I actually use use food in a lot of my sensory-based play with my EI kiddos simply because they put everything in their mouth and we're often also working on feeding skills and increasing their repertoire of food of which they will eat and the textures of which they are able to tolerate. And so one of my big recommendations is all different textured foods, foods of different temperature, um, salty foods, sweet foods, bitter foods, that sort of thing. And I kind of put them either all on a tray in front of them or depending on the child's needs and how open-minded the parents might be, I will sometimes put them in like the bathtub or a little laundry basket or some sort of um, enclosed space and we will put the food in there and sometimes you can rub it on their skin so you're activating their tactile sense. They can smell it. They're getting some olfactory. They can taste it so they're getting some gustatory. Um, We can work on fine motor skills. We can mash it. We can spread it. We can, do you see what I'm saying? You're using random food parts and you can engage in a lot of different therapeutic interventions, sensory or feeding-based skills using these random food items. Let's see, hardware. Hardware is a fun one. Um, So you could use like nuts, bolts, washers, some... um, PVC pipe, hammers, magnets, things like that to create play. Um, And keep in mind, you can mix all of these. So maybe you have some nuts and bolts, some rocks and sticks, a bowl and a spoon with an old, like some old ribbon cut up and an egg carton and some toilet paper tubes and you're putting it all in like a sandbox or um, you're putting it just all out on the grass on a warm sunny day and so the kids are out they're getting some nice vitamin d from the sun they're having a nice sensory based experience maybe they have shorts on and no socks or shoes and so they're feeling the grass on their feet and they have all these little random toys in front of them and they're creating um maybe little obstacle courses with them or little mazes or they're playing around with the sounds that the items make when you bang them together or they're hiding them and then finding them or they're seeing what they can twist together. 
That's the point of loose parts play, is that it's inclusive to anybody. Um, it can be done anywhere with anything, and you are facilitating literally any type of play in existence using loose parts. But the goal is that the children are facilitate they're leading the type of play you can be there to facilitate some ideas or help get them started get some initiation of this play but they're the ones creating what's going on they're the ones that are either choosing to engage in some dramatic play or physical play or maybe they're making a craft with all these these little things um so we talked a lot about what you can use. I gave you some examples of how you can use them, ways that I've used these in some of my therapy sessions, but some specific prompts that you could use when facilitating loose parts play with kids might be like, what story can you tell using these pieces, right? So maybe they're going to create figurines or they're going to create, like I said, that like construction scene using the funnel and the sand and the rocks. And what story can you tell me using these items? So that's a prompt, but it's very open-ended and they have to try to create a story using whatever materials are in front of them. Another prompt that you can use to facilitate some of this loose parts play using the materials um, that I've listed above are, what can you build? What can you build with this? So you're giving them a little bit of like, oh, we're going to make something. We're going to engage in some of that, um, what was it? Oh my gosh, I just recorded a podcast on it. That concrete um, constructive play, right? So they're going to build something. What can you build? And then they're taking that question and they're engaging or being creative in whatever it is that they are choosing to build. Um, very similar, what can you make? Could be a prompt to help facilitate loose parts play. Um, you could even get into some more like OT-based skills, like can you make a pattern, right? Or you can work on how would you organize these materials, right? We're going to organize them by size. We're going to organize them by weight. You can organize them by these ones are all round or these ones all have, you know, pointy edges or, you know, these all have color or maybe they're categorizing them like I did. Like these are recycled. These are fabric. This is hardware. This is nature. So you can start to build some of these cognitive skills, um, some a lot of sensory-based skills through loose parts play with some of these prompts. Another idea that incorporates loose parts play, um, and I actually, I did this with Jill. Uh, we went, there's um, an OT, her name's Megan, that's also in the Ithaca area, so shout out to any of my Ithaca people listening to this podcast. Um, and she has some nature-based uh, she's a nature-based, she's an occupational therapist, um, and that's her model of therapy. She has this phenomenal land that she's created all these different types of therapeutic interventions and play, and she's got a lot of creative prompts. She uses a lot of nature-based therapy, and so we had to go on a scavenger hunt. We went there, we were viewing her, her new practice and getting some ideas and just learning about nature-based therapy. And she had us go on a scavenger hunt and 
collect items that we were then going to make like a little um, like mobile wind chime sort of maneuver using all nature-based things except she did have some yarn um, and so we had to get you know sticks and rocks and pine cones and some bark or you know anything else that we could find on the forest floor and then we used some fun yarn and she had some scissors for us and we created these like mobile things so maybe you even have a little bit of structure for the kid in terms of we're going to make a castle we're going to make a wind chime or we're going to make some jewelry and they're using loose parts in a way that is a little bit more um a little bit less closed a little bit less open-ended a little bit more closed in terms of there's a goal in mind for the play and you're helping to create that goal for them but they're still using the loose parts in their imagination to then fulfill whatever it is that you're asking from them so there's a lot of ways that you can make loose parts play very open-ended and unstructured and also ways that you can create a little bit more structure and guidance uh, and a little bit more purpose-led um, play to work on maybe specific motor skills or specific cognitive skills that you as the therapist or teacher are hoping to help the child with while facilitating and incorporating in that loose parts um, theory. One piece of advice that I have when it comes to loose parts play is keep it simple. I think a lot of times, at least with me, um, it's easy to get so invested in something and want to go all in and you're going to be collecting all of your recycled materials. You're going to be going through all your kitchen cabinets and drawers. You're going to be out in the garage grabbing some like loose pieces of hardware that like your spouse or your dad doesn't use anymore. And I think it's really easy to get carried away and make things a lot more complicated than they need to be. And so my advice for loose parts play is start really simple and really minimal. And if you're like me and you keep all of all of your play-based materials in your car because I, I travel a lot for my job, um, less really is more. And so finding just a few staple pieces that you can put in a little box, in a little container or a plastic baggie and bring into the homes or keep in your bag and you're going to have it in the school with you or you're going to have just like one little cabinet in your clinic and it's like these are my loose parts items and maybe you have three to ten items and that's a great place to start kind of like I was saying where I have an old coffee can and then I have some bottle caps and those are two loose parts of recycled materials and I have created about 10 ways to use those pieces within play. So that's my advice with this is start simple, start slow, you don't have to go all in um, and then just like anything, as you become more comfortable and confident, add in a little bit more. Sprinkle in a little bit more. Find something new. Um, 
you could create fun sensory bins, you could create like a winter themed loose parts and then a spring themed loose parts and then kind of let the kids facilitate this. I think it's also really helpful for the kids that there's only a handful of items that they're playing with to keep them from being overwhelmed with like 15 items to engage with. Um, or maybe you have four pieces of toilet paper, like tubes, and three sticks and one bottle cap. And it's like, hmm, what are we gonna what are we gonna do with these? So that's my advice: is keep it keep it simple, keep it minimal, um, and only add on as you need, as to not get yourself and the kids you work with overwhelmed in this sort of play. I hope that this was fun. This I had a lot of fun recording this episode. Um, I hope that you got some nice little nuggets or ideas out of this episode. And as always, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or share the podcasts with, you know, any fellow therapists or parents or whomever uh, that you think that this podcast could be helpful for. All right. Wherever you are today, wherever you find yourself doing, I hope that you have a great rest of your day, and I will see you back here next week for another episode about play, but this one's for you. This next episode that I'm going to record is all about how to incorporate play as an adult, um, and then this is going to, that's going to be my final <laughs> episode on my series about play because five episodes about play is a lot. Um, anyways, all right, be well. Thanks for listening. As a reminder, this podcast is not medical advice and does not replace the potential need for skilled and individualized therapeutic services. Please consult your pediatrician or occupational therapist for specific questions about your child. Similarly, these are my personal and professional views and opinions. If something I say does not feel right to you or is different from what you have learned, please follow your own intuition and learning quest. And remember, science and language are always changing and growing. I will try my best to stay as up-to-date as possible, but I myself am always learning. If you have any follow-up questions or requests for future podcasts, feel free to reach out to me on my Instagram at ot underscore with underscore Marissa. See you soon.